Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. All right, what's going on, Embrace? Welcome to church today. Whether you're in the room or God, you're, we're glad that you are here. Or if you're online, maybe you're one of our campuses or network churches, a special welcome to you. My name is Brian. I'm the campus pastor here at 57th Street. And uh, I'm excited because I get to continue our series called Behind the Music. And so last week, Adam kicked off this series, and the heart behind it is that we would take a song that maybe you've heard before, or at least somebody that you've heard before, sing it, and see if God can teach us anything about ourselves or about himself. And last week, as I said, Adam kicked it off, and he did a song from Billie Eilish. So I assume most of you baby boomers went and downloaded a whole bunch of Billie Eilish music last week. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to try to be a little more relevant And uh, we're going to go with the Beatles song. But before I get to my song, I want to start with some broad, bordering on insensitive generalizations. If you'd allow me, allow me. Uh, Ladies, can we agree that you are far more likely as a gender to find help than a man is? Can we just agree that that's something that you do a little bit better than us? I've never yet seen a man ask for directions. I saw my mom ask for directions many times. Last week, uh, the Rock family, we got together and uh, we were all, we were trying to get a big picture together. There was like a dozen of us and all the men in the group, we were trying to set up our camera on a dock over water for about 15 minutes when finally my sister-in-law just walked away and grabbed a guy and said, hey, can you come take our picture? I've never seen a man do that. A man will not do that. I don't know how you do it necessarily. I'm told that it's a simple process that you simply ask. I've, like I said, have never done that. But why is it so hard for us to ask for help? We all need help. And that brings us to our song today. Uh, The Beatles, if you have been living under a rock for the last 60 years, the Beatles, they came onto the scene about 1960, late 1959 or so. By 1962, they were already internationally famous. By 1965, in which this song came out, Help, they were considered maybe the most well-known people on the planet. And then by the end of the 60s, there was no doubt. Everybody knew who the Beatles were. In the spring of 1965, John Lennon, who penned most of this song, was writing a different song. He was writing a song for a movie that the Beatles were going to star in, their second movie, and it was called Eight Arms to Hold You. Well, in the spring of 65, the studio came to John and said, hey, uh, just so you know, we changed the name of the movie. It's not that anymore. Now it's called Help. You have to write a song by that name. And so John had to shift gears and write a different song. And actually, as we look at the lyrics, and interestingly enough, as we hear from him later, this is exactly what he was doing, asking for help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. You thought I was going to sing that, didn't you? I'm not going to sing anything. I promise you that today. Lennon looked back on writing this song, and he called it one of his two most honest songs that he'd ever written. He wrote it because he was trying to call for help, cry out for help, that somebody would help him and his bandmates deal with their sudden fame and fortune. 
A quick side note, do we need another celebrity to tell us that fame and fortune isn't all it's cracked up to be? Every celebrity tells us this, from the Beatles to Tom Brady to Billie Eilish, all of them say, hey, you know what? This whole thing, it's different than what I expected. But John Lennon actually goes further. He goes further than most. He doesn't just complain about fame being different. He actually asks for help. But asking for help doesn't come naturally to most of us. I don't know about you. Let me take you back to the early 1990s. The Rock family, my family, we were on vacation in Colorado. That's just what we did in the summer. We went somewhere west, usually to the mountains, and we were on our way back through Colorado when we stopped at the Royal Gorge, which is this beautiful canyon. It's about 1,200 feet deep at its deepest. It's a beautiful spot. There's this cool pedestrian bridge that goes over it. But the rocks did what the rocks always do. We stopped at an overlook, got out, took a few pictures, very Clark Griswold style. That's just how we did it. And I remember that day it being really hot. And so I was excited to get back into the car and keep going. And as we got back to the car, I walked up to my door and I tried to open it and it was locked. And my brother's door was locked. And my mom's door was locked and my dad's door was locked and we looked in the car and there were the keys innocently hanging from the ignition, mocking us, as I would say. Today, this would be no problem, right? Grab your cell phone. Hey, AAA, can you come get us? We're locked out of our car. No cell phones in the early 90s, everybody. There may have been cell phones. They were probably larger than a brick. We didn't own one. There were no cell phones. There was also no pay phone. It was in a pretty remote location. Teenagers look up payphones, so you know what I'm talking about. So, what to do? Now, before I continue the story, please know this. My father is one of the most patient human beings on the face of the earth. He is so patient. He loves his family. He is patient in most situations unless you are a machine that is not working the way that you're supposed to. Then my father can lose it. Lose it like the rest of us can lose it. And so my mom and my brother and I, we gave our dad plenty of space, about 50 yards, because you don't go near dad when he's frustrated. And he just walked around that car, around and around and around, just looking in the windows as if the keys would magically appear in his hand. And they did not. And so as he's walking around the car and peering in the car, wondering where help's going to come from, suddenly help is offered. The guy next to us said, hey, uh, I see you're locked out of your car. I've got a hatchet. Would that help? A hatchet? Are you kidding me? Of course it would help. It's the answer to prayer. Moments later, my father is wailing away on the window. You thought I was going to break that, didn't you? That's silliness. I wouldn't do something like that. My dad's wailing away on the window, but windows don't give up so easily. It took a few whacks, but sure enough, my brother and I, again, 15 yards away, looking on with amazement and admiration, might I add, at a man who knew how to get things done. Mr. Jim Rock opened the door, swept the glass onto the pavement, and we were on our way to Colorado Springs. Now notice, my dad didn't ask for help. He didn't ask for help, but it was given to him. And to his credit, he accepted it. He accepted the help that was offered to him. But that's not the way that we work, is it, usually? Like, it's really hard for us to ask. I can't speak for you, but the reason that it's hard for me to ask for help is because 
I think if I ask for help, I look stupid. In my own brain, if I ask for help, it feels like I don't measure up. You know that old saying, there's no such thing as a stupid question? I'm not so sure. So I generally don't fight that, and I just don't ask. I just kind of grip my teeth and get through it on my own. Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? How about you? Are you willing to ask for help? Does that come easily to you? Male, female, young, old, black, white, it doesn't matter. All of us, I think, it's a little bit tougher for us to do that. And yet God, in his word, is pretty clear on who to ask for help from and that we just simply need to do it. In fact, in James 1, he says this, If you need wisdom, ask, and our generous God will give it to you. In Psalm 121, he says, My help comes from the Lord. And Jesus, speaking in Matthew 7, says, Ask, and it will be given to you. You see, help is offered to you, and it's offered to me. God says it's right there for us. Essentially, he's saying, hey, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to go through life alone. You don't have to do all of this alone. And so my question to you is this. What in your life are you trying to do alone that you weren't meant to do alone? You're trying to conquer that addiction by yourself? How's that been going? You've been trying to forgive somebody all on your own, not talking to anybody about it? Do you have a big decision that you're trying to make for you and your family and nobody else has been able to speak into it because you want to make sure that you get it done? You want to make sure that you show everybody that, hey, I can make this decision. Why is it so hard to ask for help? What I want you to see today is that asking for help is not a crutch. doesn't make you stupid. doesn't mean you don't measure up. No matter what it is, God says, ask for help and it will be granted. Now, my dad had to break a few things, right? Like he had to break a window. Like he legitimately, the keys were right there. That was where we needed to get. And my dad had to bust a window. He had to break that window to get to the keys to help. And so I actually think we're going to have to break through a few things to get the help that we need. Actually, two things. The first thing that we're going to have to break through is we got to break through your pride. we got to break through my pride. In the book of Matthew, we see Jesus encounter a man with leprosy. Now, leprosy, that might not mean a bunch to us today, but back in Jesus' time, that was a big problem. Leprosy was a disease of the skin, and so if you had it, everybody saw it. It wasn't an issue with your heart or your lungs that you could hide from people. If you had leprosy, everyone saw your leprosy. And also, they thought it was super contagious. Now, years later, millennia later, we know that leprosy is only mildly contagious. you got to be around somebody with leprosy for months, maybe even years, if they're untreated to actually contract leprosy. But at the time, people thought it was really contagious. So if you had leprosy, if you were a leper, if you walked into a room, you had to announce your arrival by shouting, unclean! If you were walking down the road and there were people coming towards you, you had to announce that your presence was there, that you had leprosy by shouting, unclean, so they could get out of your way, 
So when you walked into the room, they could go to the walls or leave and not be around you. Can you imagine the thing that you are most ashamed about in your life and having to announce it in every room you walk in? Adulterer, here I come. Bankruptcy, I've got no money, I'm walking here. Abused. That's exactly what life was like for a leper. And that's who meets Jesus. An unclean leper who had to announce his presence. In Matthew 8, we see this. When when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Quick time out. Jesus wasn't coming down from just any mountainside here. He was coming down from a mountainside where history proves he just gave his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, that might not mean anything to you, but I'll bet, church or not, I'll bet you've heard some of the things that he said on that mountainside. Things like, turn the other cheek. Things like, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I say, love your enemy. Things like, ask and it will be given to you. And so that's the mountainside that Jesus is walking down from him. And as we see, a bunch of people are following him because they loved what he had said. And they wanted to hear more. They wanted to see more. So as Jesus is coming down from the mountain, he's being followed by a large crowd. Now on to verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So what's the man with leprosy do? He asks, simply, humbly. He falls on his knees in front of Jesus and he asks. Actually, it's more of a statement. Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. How fearful must the man with leprosy must have been? What if Jesus wasn't willing? What if Jesus didn't have the authority to heal him? What if he couldn't do anything about it? This was this guy's last measure. Like, he had nowhere else to turn. He's out of options, and so he asks. Now, Jesus has a choice. He had just said so many compelling words, so many things on that mountainside. Would he be a man of words, or would he be a man of action? Verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Immediately. The man asks, You know the thing that actually keeps us from asking? Earlier I said, I think it's because I think I look stupid. Actually, I, the heart of it isn't that. The heart of it is pride. I'm too proud because I'm fearful of how I'll look to somebody else. Pride is about keeping up appearances. And appearances, well, they've got to be kept up, don't they? And here's this man falling at Jesus' feet. And he's got no pride left. So here's my question. 
What's pride keeping you from asking? What is your pride keeping you from asking? Are you too proud to ask your spouse to go to counseling with you? Are you too proud to ask for forgiveness? Maybe you're too proud to ask for accountability from your buddy because you know you need it, even though you think this is the last time I'm going to go to that website. This is the last time I'm going to take his call. Are you too proud to ask a friend to keep you accountable? What is pride keeping you from asking? The leper falls at Jesus' feet. No pride left. If leprosy has done anything for this man, it has cured him of his pride. It is gone. Anybody ever been to the end of their rope where now you're like, okay, I guess now I'll actually seek help. That's where he was. Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing, replies Jesus. Friends, all of us need help. If you haven't asked for help, it isn't because you don't need it. It's because you're too proud to ask for it. Whatever that looks like for you today, would I challenge you to ask for the help that you need? That's the first breakthrough. You've got to break through your pride. The second thing that we have to break through is actually easy to understand, but it's hard to execute. You've got to break through the noise. You've got to break through the noise. And by noise, I mean options. There's so many options out there. Everybody wants to give us help. Everybody wants to give us advice. I want to be that guy that fixed that person. I want to be the one that's looked to as wise. I want to be looked to as the one that can help you come along. In fact, there's an entire industry in America, the self-help industry. In 2018, it was worth $11 billion. Billion with a B. From audiobooks to personal life coaches to weight loss programs, $11 billion with a B. Motivational speakers alone in a year bring in $1 billion. I'm in the wrong business, my friends. $1 billion. Everybody wants to give advice. There's an entire industry vying to give you advice. My mother-in-law wants to give me advice all the time. She's a great lady. I'm kidding. I was talking about your mother-in-law, not my mother-in-law. So, are we actually getting the help that we need, the right help? And that brings us back to our song. John Lennon says this, Help, I need somebody. But he doesn't stop there. Not just anybody. Even the great theologian John Lennon knew that he had to ask the right person. He had to cut through the noise. He had to figure out who's somebody that can actually help me. Who has the authority to do something about my problem. Even John Lennon knew that. Not just anybody. I need somebody that can actually help. Steve Jobs, you've probably heard of him. Remember, he's the guy that invented this thing that we all carry in our pockets. When Steve Jobs was 12 years old, he was doing what all 12-year-olds do. He was trying to build a frequency counter. Isn't that what all 12-year-olds do? Build a frequency counter, an instrument to accurately measure the frequency of radio waves. That's what he was trying to do at 12 years old. But he didn't have all the parts. And so Steve Jobs picked up the phone and called the guy. Who'd he call? He called Bill Hewlett. 
Who's Bill Hewlett? Bill Hewlett is the co-founder of Hewlett and Packard, HP. His number was in the phone book. 12-year-old Steve Jobs literally looked up his name, called him up and said, hey, my name's Steve Jobs. I'm 12 years old. I'm trying to build a frequency counter. Do you have any spare parts I could have? Bill Hewlett was surprised, amazed. He's like, absolutely, I'll give you all the parts you need. Not only did he do that, he gave Steve Jobs a job working on the assembly line that summer building frequency counters. You see, Steve Jobs knew exactly where to go. He didn't call just anybody. He called somebody that could actually help him. And who does he call? He calls the founder of one of the most profitable technology companies of all time. Steve knew he needed to connect with somebody that could actually help him. I don't know what you need help with today, but you need to break through the noise and connect with somebody who can actually help you, who actually has the authority to help you. Steve Jobs didn't call the president of Coca-Cola. That would have been silly. Coca-Cola makes flavored sugar water. Not frequency counters. He needed help making a frequency counter, so he called the president, the founder of a technology company. Wouldn't that be silly to call the owner of Coca-Cola? But so many times in our life, you and I do this exact same thing. We reach out to people who don't know how to help us or can't. We look for answers in the bottle, behind a computer screen, in the hotel room, on Amazon, at Macy's. And none of it can help us. Are you going to one who has authority to help you? It's like this. If you're struggling in your marriage, don't go talk to your girlfriend who thinks her marriage is a joke. Go talk to your girlfriend who has a flourishing marriage and loves her husband. If you're having trouble putting too much money on credit cards and you've got a ton of debt, don't go talk to your buddy who just got another $350 driver for his bag, even though he's got seven other ones in the bag. Go to your buddy who took Financial Peace University. Remember when I talked about Jesus coming down from that mountainside, the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were following him. Why were the crowds following him? Because what he had said had amazed them and because he taught as one who had authority. Before the leper ever comes to Jesus, before the leper ever comes to him, crowds are following Jesus because he spoke as if he had authority. And so what Jesus had said had moved them, had challenged them, and they wanted to hear more, but Jesus was done talking. He was done talking. It was time to move. It was time to act. It was time to go offer help. You see, when the leper fell at Jesus' feet, all that the crowd knew was that Jesus spoke as if he had authority. And by the time the leper stood up, 
all of them knew he had authority because he was clean. So are you asking someone for help that can actually do something about it? Asking for help is great. Going to a friend is great. In fact, in Proverbs, it says this, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So go talk to your friend, get some help. But when you run to somebody to ask for advice, make sure that some of those people you're running to, that they're running after Jesus. Because he's the one that has the authority to do something about what's going on in your life. But you've got to break through some things, right? You've got to break through your pride. You've got to break through the noise to get the help that you need. And sometimes it doesn't work on the first try. Keep going back for the help that you need. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he died on a cross for us. We thank you that he reached out to us. Father, we love you and your son. God, I pray that as we go from here today, would each of us who needs help, would we seek the help that we need and get it? Whether that's asking a friend to keep us accountable, whether that's us and our spouse going to a counselor, God, we know that you're out there to give us help. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.